268. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more uh, like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're picking up right where we left off in Acts chapter 21, and we here we have our brother Paul who has decided that he is going to journey to Jerusalem, right? So when he gets to Tyre, there are believers there that are like, Paul, fam, don't do it. Don't go to Jerusalem. Right. Paul is like, I'm not listening. So what he does is he goes to Caesarea, a place called Caesarea, and he stays with my man, Philip. Now, remember, Philip was one of the seven uh, cats who uh, one of the seven deacons in uh, Acts chapter six. And um, he's the one who preached to the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter eight. Um, So anyway, a man named Agabus comes down and tells Paul in Caesarea a prophecy. And he basically says, yo. You will be bound, fam. Like, if you go to Jerusalem, it's a wrap, right? And it's funny because he actually comes in a typical uh, Old Testament prophetic fashion uh, as he actually acts out his message. Remember, the prophets uh, in the Old Testament would have these prophetic sign acts where they acted out their messages. He does the exact same thing, right? And so what's crazy is what what is said in verse 12, what the text says in verse 12. It says, uh, when he heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Now, listen to what Paul says in verse 13. Then Paul replied, what are you what are you doing <laughs> weeping and breaking my heart for i am ready hear this not only to be bound but also to die in jerusalem for the name of the lord jesus in other words luke is trying to present paul here as following in the footsteps of christ you say how kp how kp how kp who uh uh he's, he's doing this because christ himself journeyed to jerusalem to be bound <laughs> to be killed and not only that he shows us that listen we know we have come into a real relationship with christ by faith if we follow in his footsteps fam and paul got this he's like fam i'm following in christ's footsteps i've i've counted the costs paul's like no no i've already counted the cost on what it takes and what it means to really follow jesus just like jesus said in luke chapter 14 right he's he's literally taking up his cross and he's following him and it's amazing because listen we all have to get to that to that point in our lives we all have to get to that point and when we do when we lay everything down and are willing to give up everything listen even our own life if need be physical death for jesus right it's amazing what god would do with that right and we see paul here uh is you know exhibit a right of that exact uh truth and once Paul goes to Jerusalem, gets to Jerusalem, the elders let him know that the Jews here want your head. Oh, no, no, no. Like prophecy became true, big bro. Right. They heard through the grapevine, big bro, that you that you telling folks not to be circumcised and to the of the law. Moses knows it. Notice that uh, they are uh, accusing him just like Jesus was accused. We're going to see that over and over and over throughout these last few chapters. Um, lo and behold, once Paul is spotted by the Jewish crowd, they form a riot. They attack him and he is bound hand and foot. Uh, and it's. Uh, ironically, in a Roman commander that has come to save him. Now, it gets interesting. Acts 22 comes and he asks for a chance to give his testimony, right, to the Jews, and he is granted that privilege. So he speaks to them in Aramaic. Why does he speak to them in Aramaic? Well, because uh, after the exile, after they come back from exile, Aramaic is the lingua franca, meaning it is the uh, 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 main language that everybody speaks uh, after the exile, especially the Jews. Um, and so he speaks to them in Aramaic, and his basic idea is that, yo, y'all trying to persecute me because of my abandonment of Judaism. And what I'm trying to show you is that what has taken place is a fulfillment of Judaism. So in other words, listen, Christianity doesn't replace Judaism. It just fulfills 
right? The history of Israel, right? Um, it, 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 it says, no, 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 the fulfillment of all of the promises that were promised in the Old Testament, in the Old, in the Hebrew Bible, have come to fulfillment. It's not replacement theology, it's fulfillment theology. You feel me? And he's like, yo, check my rap. I'm a Jew from Tarsus, trained at the feet of the big homie Gamaliel, right? I got a world-class education. I was jealous. Oh, I mean, not jealous. I was zealous. Actually, jealous and zealous is the same word in Greek. Another podcast. I was just as zealous as y'all, right, on the way to persecute uh, these Christians. And I had the Damascus Road experience, right? And uh, one of the things he does, which is brilliant, is he recounts the experience. And what happens subsequent to the experience in Jewish terms. So he will say, no, 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 I went to the temple and I saw a vision, right? And, and it was from there that the Lord told me again that I was to go to the Gentiles. Now, it's so good because Paul knows his Bible, fam. And again, if you don't know certain texts, like you will miss so much, so many layers here. You have to remember texts like Exodus chapter three, Isaiah chapter six, Ezekiel chapter one, right? Where you have these prophets who are messengers uh, of the word of the Lord and they are being sent from being in the presence of God, right? They were caught up in the presence of God, Jeremiah 23, 18, and there, and from there they were sent, right? And so in the Jewish mindset, this would legitimize his, his ministry. This would legitimize him being a mouthpiece for Yahweh, just in the same way that the old Old Testament prophets were proclaiming the covenant, Paul would be legitimized as proclaiming the covenant as well. So when he said that, though, as poignant as that was, uh, that was to make his defense. As soon as he made his point about the Gentiles, fam, that's when the crowd got roused up, right? And so you see, like, in this text that the Jews uh, were deeply uh, ethnocentric, very nationalist. And you see the irony because that's the very thing that Paul is going to say in his, in his letters. Like, no, 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 that's what Christ came to obliterate, right? And so Acts 23 comes. Paul goes before the Sanhedrin. Now, remember, Jesus went before the Sanhedrin Sanhedrin as well because of the Jews, right? So, same thing is happening here. This is not a coincidence. Um, yeah, so the, so they're the governing uh, Jewish authorities over religious matters. And they are the group whom, uh, I said that before, the, the, the Lord Jesus went before. And uh, what's interesting here is that Paul goes before them, and they are made up of both Pharisees and Sadducees. And look at what he says in verse 6. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am, present tense, a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. This is brilliant. So Paul, I said before, uh, he currently in this text identifies as a Pharisee. So that should, you know, one, help us be more nuanced about how we talk about Pharisees. But two, he, he knows, hear this, that the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, right? And so the Pharisees do. So in other words, he highlights what divides the two groups, <laughs> the resurrection, while diverting their attention from what united the two groups, their hatred for Paul. And it buys them some time. Nonetheless, they're all a group of Jews. And by the end of the chapter, uh, you have a group of Jewish radicals who made vows, right, that they weren't going to eat or drink whole nayars until Paul was a dead man. Now you see how serious these Jews are about their laws, fam. They're very serious. One of the reasons I think uh, we can tell from other Jewish literature is because they were exiled. <laughs> so anybody that was going, they were exiled, right, years ago to Babylon in Assyria. So here, so anybody that comes in and seeks to turn them away from the law, quote unquote, which would lead to disaster again, right? That was the reason they were exiled in the first place. They it was like, no, 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 we're not going for this again. So you can see why they would be so uh, hesitant, not saying they, they were right, so hesitant towards this. But Paul, again, was arguing from the scriptures, B. 
You feel me? And so anyway, Paul's nephew hears of the news, leads Paul to, to leave from there and go to Caesarea before Felix. Acts 24, he goes before Felix. Felix is the Roman governor at the time of this province. And Paul makes another defense before Felix and the crowd that came down uh, with Ananias to present that case before the governor in a real trial. And once again, we have the innocent, hear this, being treated as if they are guilty. Verse 13, neither can they prove the charges they are now making against me. But I admit this to you. I worship the God of my ancestors, according to the way, <laughs> which they call a sect, believing everything that is in, in believing everything that is in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. I have a hope in God. Paul in the text. I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. Again, Jews believed in a resurrection, most of them, except Sadducees, but they just believed it will be at the end of time, right? At the, at, the, at the very end of world history as we know it. And what Paul is saying, no, no, that age that you are looking forward to has entered into this present age with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the resurrection has already begun and he can give you the new life by his spirit to experience it now, partly and fully later. That's Paul's whole argument. And once again, Paul makes the matters more theological than legal. Uh, and because the Roman governors of the day weren't experts uh, or well-versed in the Torah like he is or Jewish law, they couldn't make a determination on the accusation, right? And what is amazing is that verse 22 says Felix was informed about the way. So this is Christianity. Um, therefore, just to keep the uh, Jews quiet and out of his hair, he he just throws Paul in prison, right? Um, why is all this happening and what's the point? The point is, that no one, once again, is going to stop the triumph and power of the gospel from flourishing on the face of the earth. There isn't enough persecution in the world to do so, right? And in the end, listen, we'll see tomorrow that these persecutions, afflictions, and hardships are the very means God will use to take the gospel to Rome and to the ends of the earth as he promised in Acts 1-8. Listen, God's purposes and promises in the world come through our suffering. They don't come apart from our suffering, right? We don't just believe in Jesus, but like Paul, we actually follow him, right? Our lives are meant to be actually patterned after his. What we see in Paul's life is what we should see in our own, a life that mimics our Lord for the sake of the kingdom. Let's pray. God, we ask for your grace to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. I pray that you would give us strength, especially when we get weary, Lord. Um, we can get weary so easily. I pray that you would give us the strength to do as Paul did and to be willing to be bound for the Lord, for the name of